Last week, the Big Ten was able to sponsor the show with UNICEF. And this week, the Pac-12 decided to do the same thing with UNICEF. Thank you to our sponsors. It's a business. This is not a charity. You know, I mean, maybe one day UNICEF will get into the impound business. But, you know, until then, we're the people to see. Both a bunch of losers there. Let's all take a moment of silence for the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, the conference of this country, the conference of this world, the real conference in college football. A moment of silence, please. God, just shed a tear. And now, state champion, national champion, universal champion, a foreword from the head coach of the LSU Tigers, Coach Ed Ogeron. Howdy, Antilopians. This is Coach O, Ed Ogeron. I'm Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. You know, I'm the head coach of LSU. And uh, right now, it's going to be tough playing football. You know, the SEC, we say we're going to have a little schedule. Things don't happen right. I'm still going to play. I'll play in Louisiana. I'm going to be state champion again. I've always been beating them teams like Southeastern and Northwestern, all them directional schools. You know, they come. I whip their ass. It's uh, Football needs to happen. I mean, it's going to be dangerous with the coronavirus, but we're going to be taking precautions. And then, and then uh, them kids, they're going to be if they're gonna be home. They have to be in a bubble. If they in a bubble, they're going to get sick. Or they could get sick. So, I mean, it, it's crazy, but... We just got to live with it until we get a virus, I mean, a vaccine for the virus. And then um, I don't know if things going to get better. And they got them NBA players in that bubble. I mean, some of them ain't been in that bubble like that. Kawhi Leonard, he's been practicing outside and all. I mean, you got you to gotta be in that bubble, baby. You're going to be staying away from that coronavirus. You know, your boy Danny Blatt's belts, North Korean Santa, artist formerly known as Santa, he's going to be talking about one of them. Real good movies with uh, Obi-Wan in it, um, uh, The Bridge Over River Kwai, you know, that damn good movie. I love old Obi-Wan, old uh, Alec, Sir Alec Guinness, great actor, you know. And, that, you know, you know that, that, uh, them, them boys on that antelope, they're going to be talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, too, you know. But you got to be tuning in. This is Coach O. One more time, I'm Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, The Reset, episode number 10. I'm your host, Danny Belts, with a Z. This one's titled The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Tommy Bench is out. I think Gold's Gym had a, had a 24-hour special. You could bench all day, so he's going to go ahead and do that. Go to Chess Buffet. Ned Ryerson, I think there's an insurance sales conference in Fargo, North Dakota. That's going to distract him like a, like a mosquito to that light. He's over there doing his thing there. The Drunk Neighbor will be jumping on towards the end with Dickie Salvo to talk about the UFC card 252. Things never go as planned. When do they ever, right? Who cares? Those guys are great. We're also going to talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. has to apologize for hitting the Grand Slam. Yeah. Get, get out of here. This is absurd. I'm taking The unwritten rules of baseball need to be burned. Uh, this is just absurd at this point. I think we can all agree. We're going to be talking about Kawhi Leonard. Yes, uh, his run through San Diego State all the way to the Spurs. Comparing that to the movie, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Get it? Play on words. Spelled differently, though. One has an H. One doesn't. 
Uh, but I'll be able to explain it all in due time. All in due time, my pretty. <laughs> oh, man. I'm in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. And I got to tell you, beautiful city. They call it the, the, what is this, the state of enchantment or something. But the problem with the enchantment is that it's 157 degrees outside and you have to wear a mask everywhere you go, even outside. They even recommend you wear it when you drive. Okay, I, I just don't, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain to you. You can put your politics aside. You know, I can get, God knows how many people on here, I can get to talk about the masks. The company I work for right now is working with five distributors of the N95 and the, the OEMs for these masks. I have to sit here and listen to them say they do nothing. It's the people selling them. Unless you have that little respirator thing on there, it does absolutely nothing. Uh, and when it's hot outside and you're sweating in your mask, that ruins the whole purpose of it anyway. Why do you think surgery rooms, why do you think when doctors do surgery, it's negative 15 degrees in there and you can see your breath? It's just be freezing. They don't want to sweat. Just makes no sense. To wear a mask outside in Albuquerque? I'm supposed to try all this chili the drunk neighbor told me about all this stuff and there's only outdoor seating? Who wants to sit outside in the desert in August? I don't. This is nuts. And I live in Louisiana. It's hot as hell down here. I'm getting a little tired of this mask thing. And the thing is, too, is everyone's going, ah, here he goes. He's getting political already. No, I'm not getting political. I'm just being normal. This is stupid. All right? I, I know three people that died from the flu in the last three years. I didn't see the craze. Where's the masks? And the flu does the same thing, and it kills children and infants. Oh, belts, this does too. No, it doesn't. Don't cherry pick. This coffee is super strong, by the way. So you're going to get a good effort out of me today. Oh, why am I drinking coffee late at night? Well, Danny Belts put the booze aside for a few months. If you didn't know, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Belts uh, gave me the belt. <laughs> it was like, hey, why don't you uh, drink some water for a few weeks? So I'll take her up on that. She's only looking out, for, uh, looking out for a man. The drunk neighbor will pick up my drinking. That's why we call him the drunk neighbor. That dude drinks like a horse. He can do it. So drunk neighbor, you go ahead and have one for me, even though you're in Louisiana and Dickie Salvo's in Pennsylvania. We're going to cover three different time zones my boy Rick Salvatore in PA, can't wait to hear him with the drunk neighbor. And I wish I, wish I wasn't by myself, but I am, so we're going to have to roll with it. The Bridge Over the River Kwai. What a great movie. They don't make them like that anymore. Nope, sure don't. Give you the backstory of this movie. It's amazing. If you have a chance to maybe Netflix or do something, I suggest you watch it. There's not going to be any errant nudity. There's not going to be much cursing because that's back when they could actually make movies without putting your penis into a pie uh, or just, you know, being like uh, Michael Bay and just exploding trucks. This one actually had something called a plot. Yeah, plot, right? Um, and not like Inception. Christopher Nolan is a very, very weird individual, and Inception sucked. If you like Inception, although I am in the minority, that movie was absurd. Ridiculous. Bridge over the river, quiet, real quick. So the backstory, I'll give you the... The setting of this, uh, it's the Burma Railway, right? Back in 1943, and what the Japanese were trying to do is connect Bangkok to Rangoon. Actually, was it the Japanese? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. British Lieutenant Colonel Nicholson. This is a good dude. See, he's like typical by-the-book, um, you know, military guy for, the, for England. <laughs> British intelligence, oxymoron. He's a good guy, though, in the movie. And basically what this guy does is, uh, you know, he's trying to command his troops in, in a POW camp. He's still trying to keep order and remain disciplined to his men. And he is basically squaring up versus Colonel Sayato. Uh, and this guy would be the antagonist. Or so you think as the kind of the plot unfolds, who really is the antagonist in this, in this movie? Well, spoiler alert, because I'm going to blow the whole thing for you in about 45 seconds. This whole thing starts off with Nicholson, who is a by-the-book guy, right? The, the Brit is a by-the-book guy. So he has that Geneva Convention. 
thing right in his hand, and he's telling the guy, my officers will not do manual labor. This is against the Geneva Convention, code 56B, blah, 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 blah. But then uh, Colonel Saito takes it out of his hand and chunks it and calls it the Book of Cowardness. <laughs> I like this guy already. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and basically he tells him, take your book, shove it up your ass. All you guys are going to work. Well, he says, we're not doing it. My officers will not go to work due to the Geneva Convention. And then dude basically says, well, I'm going to shoot everyone. And he calls his bluff and says, well, go ahead. There's a bunch of witnesses here. That would be murder. Somebody would be held accountable for that, even the Ruth, the ruthless Japanese at the time. So Colonel Saito checks his cards, sees he only has 10 jacks suited. Not really a good hand. Colonel's holding the aces. He knows it. Nicholson's got the rockets. So he says, okay, you guys can stand out here in the heat and just bake. So they do for like an entire day. They have to sit there, all his officers. They get super baked, not Cheech and Chong. Not that style. Just get cooked out there. And then they even throw Nicholson into the hot box. And, you know, it's freaking 1,000 degrees hotter than, San it's hotter than Albuquerque. And I'm sure they all had to wear a mask. I'm sure all of the British prisoner of war, the POWs, had to wear a mask. It's for you, not me. Yeah. So they did that to prevent the, uh, the, the coronavirus or, you know, H1N1 or whatever it is. Who knows? Just get your mask on. It saves lives. Trust me. I wore a mask in the shower yesterday. I didn't want to infect the soap. So Nicholson, uh, you know, continues to go on his straight and narrow. And, you know, after a while, he kind of warms up to Saito. And then Saito asks him, hey, man, yo, chief, look, man, uh, I, need, I need you to build me a bridge. He's like, why is that? He goes, well, you see, you got this river quiet here and we, we have a bridge we need to build. And it, it's going to carry some stuff. Uh, Nicholson's like, well, well, what? He's talking to the enemy here. He's like, ah, Saito says, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, just like, I don't know, 50,000 million pounds of ammunition for us to beat you in the war. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you, sh you shouldn't have told me that. So basically, they have a site where they're building the bridge, and Nicholson actually kind of takes this as his own project. Saito does some kind of backwards mental gymnastics, and it kind of convinces him that, you know, this will be a good way to keep your men busy, keep your men mentally healthy, organized. And he buys this, this line of shit. So basically what he does is, is he convinces his own men to build this bridge. Now he notices initially they're trying to sabotage it on purpose. Duh, because they, they're fighting versus these guys. But Nicholson's so consumed with this bridge that eventually he tells everyone, look, you're going to be court-martialed when we get back to England if you don't do this the correct way. So they build a bridge for the enemy. Building a bridge, they arch the, the Japanese architecture was off. They, they started at the wrong spot. They picked a better spot, and they started building it, and people started buying into this. Well, there was an escape attempt, and two of the people were shot. One got away, found his way all the way down to a British colony about 50 miles south, and told them what was going on, so they were able to assemble, you know how these war movies go, able to assemble kind of a, um, a party to come back to blow the bridge up. So long story short, they came back as they assumed they were all dead, and they weren't. The one guy brought a few special ops guys with him. I'm really skipping over the story now. Big spoiler alert coming your way. And basically what happens is, is as the train's about two miles away, the special ops team there is trying to blow this bridge up, right? So one of them sets a detonator on the bridge, and Nicholson sees what's happening and alerts the Japanese. This guy is so deeply rooted into the construction of the bridge for the enemy, he can't see the forest from the trees. He doesn't understand at the time... That, dude, you're building a bridge. This is going to kill your people. He's so upheld in his work. He can't see that this is not the right thing to do. 
You need to blow this thing up. The whole time, the whole plan should have been, we're going to blow this mug up, right? Well, he tells on one of the guys trying to do it. One of the Japanese guys shoots one of his own people. And then he starts to realize, wait, this isn't really what's going on. And then a mortar is shot in the water, which, boom, hits him with a bunch of shrapnel. He looks over and sees another one of his, his, his kinmen, his countrymen, die by another Japanese guy. And then he looks right at the camera and says, my God, what have I done? A very, very famous quote, what have I done? And then right before he dies, he knows he has to blow this thing up. And the, the, the bridge, the bridge is, the train is on the bridge at this point. If the Japanese were able to secure this ammunition, it would have been devastating um, for the other side of the fight in the movie. And he falls right on top of, you know, the old school, like Wiley Coyote, you got to push the thing down for the dynamite. He falls right on top of that as he dies and blows the bridge up. Uh, blows it to hell. And obviously, the ammunition never got to where it has to. Danny Belt's fascinating story. Thanks for ruining the plot for me. Oh, you're welcome. What's, uh, what's the purpose? I'm glad you asked. You see, the purpose of it isn't so much the Colonel Nicholson, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Nicholson short, short sight or Colonel Saito trying to talk him into doing that with his mental gymnastics and it worked. The thing is, is that the only way over that, that body of water was that bridge. And I'm telling you right now, very similar to the, to the River Kwai, Kwai Leonard, the only way, the only way without blowing this thing up, and I don't think it'll happen, I think the bridge is going to be secure for passage, is through Kwai Leonard. That is the only way. Well, what about, what about LeBron James and the Lakers? They're going to have their hands full with Portland tonight, all right? I'm not so sure about this game. I know everyone likes Portland in the over. Uh, or Lakers in the over. Don't be surprised if you see Portland in the under. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Portland has a decent chance to win. They're red hot. Damon Lillard right now is taking on the role of the Warrior. Although he's woke AF, he still has taken on the role of a guy that's just going to carry. He's just going to carry that team. I learned a new word: equestrian. Right? Isn't that like kind of a horse? You know, like <laughs> a horse rides something. I don't know what the hell. I'm an idiot. I'm from Louisiana. I know nothing. I'm not as smart as the drunk neighbor. Okay. I didn't go to Southern Miss. I went to Johnson and Wales. When all else fails, apply to Johnson and Wales. To the top, Southern Miss. Inside joke. But the problem here is, 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 is pretty simple for the Lakers is that, well, the Lakers, the Bucks already lost to Orlando. Wow, that was shocking. And then right now, the Lakers, I think they are going to have their hands full. And, I, and Dame Lillard kind of reminds me of that Kawhi Leonard at that point. I, I think that instead of it running through LeBron and the Lakers, who have looked very below par in the bubble, who's going to argue that? Phoenix looked amazing in the bubble. And shit, if Brooklyn beats, beats um, if they beat Portland, they lost by one, like the last play of the game, Phoenix gets in. And who wants to play Phoenix? They haven't lost a game. They own the bubble. They, cover, they were winning by 50 points a game. It's crazy. Of course, Danny Bells was still taking the under in those Suns game, thinking that they couldn't keep it up. I'm, I'm real smart. <laughs> I didn't take any unders in the Suns game. You kidding me? I think it's going to run through Kawhi. You know, it's not a Bible podcast, okay? This isn't something that... My dad's a pastor. The apple fell far from the tree. Not too far. Actually, it fell pretty far. (laughs) But not far enough for me to remember some stuff. Everybody talks about John 3.16, you know? That's a pretty famous Bible verse, I would imagine. Most of you know what that is. If you don't, well, look it up. John 4.6, though, is something that's a little different. It goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one comes through the Father except through me. That's Jesus speaking in the first person. That is JC saying, look, chief, let me translate that for you. Look, pal, you want to get out here to heaven? No one, and I mean no one, 
talks to my guy here without talking to me. In other words, you ain't getting there if you ain't getting there through me. That's a powerful verse. Even if you don't believe, let's say the Bible's fiction. I don't know. That's like basically JC throwing it down and saying, yeah, you ain't getting in here without the password. You ain't talking to my boy without talking to me. And you're not getting through the West without getting through the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. And that was a clear example of what he just did. Basically, that, I, don't have, I have a problem watching the NBA. I'm just so unwoke. It's just, you know how I feel about things. It's going to be tough for me to watch the NFL and the woke Saints and Malcolm X Jenkins and Cam Jordan and the rest of the woke Marshawn Lattimore. Ugh, just makes me, my stomach turn that Breeze still had to apologize for all that. But whatever. It is what it is. Well, if you didn't see Luca, who's a top three player in the NBA, top five player, I don't know. This is when you, this is, you know, half six dozen. Uh, he's insane. Luca goes nuts. Another stat stuffer. I think he pumped in 40-something. He's incredible, an unbelievable basketball player. He will be the face of the NBA. At some point, he almost has to be between him, the Greek freak, Kawhi, LeBron, Dame. Those are probably your top five. Ah, you could argue whatever you want. I don't care. If you're Anthony Davis, who cares? But Kawhi pumps in a very quiet 29-12-6, and six, only turned it over a couple times. While he guarded basically four players, and he had to guard Luca down the stretch, he guards everyone. And it's not – he's been doing this for a while. To makes him so special. And before we get into exactly what I want to talk about there, before we talk about Kawhi now and that bridge and how the only way to get there is through him, then you're going to have to talk about what he did in the past. And that is more important to me than what he's doing presently and what he did in the NBA. Because what he did in college, I feel, goes way, way, way under the radar. And as you know, Danny Belts is a huge fan of college football and college basketball. I'm kind of a nerd. But at the same time, what he did for San Diego State was was pretty much epic. But again, it's just, it, it, I don't think the lure has written it up correctly. And that's why you have the sports antidote with the reset. That's why you have Danny Belts, because we're going to do that. We're going to strike up a little Molly music, and we're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard and how dominant and amazing he was for San Diego State, particularly in the year of the 2010-2011 college basketball season. Let's get it going. What makes this interesting the 2010-2011 San Diego State Aztecs is Kawhi Leonard, sure. I don't think Steve Fisher uh, thought what would happen would happen. Uh, he's a great coach, but there's no way he thought that they'd rip off what they did. They weren't even ranked to begin this season. Nobody had anything to say about him. Kawhi Leonard was indeed sought after uh, in high school, but at the same time, kind of the JUCO thing, it wasn't really that smooth early in his college career. You can look all that up. We don't have time for that. But this season would be special, and they would make a run for a national championship in a bizarre year in college basketball. So let's get right to it. In-state rival Cal State Long Beach. They hadn't beat them in a long time. They smashed them. 81-65. I remember watching that game. It was one of the only late games on TV. I had the over. Went under by one point. Lost 100 bucks. Shocker. But the next game would be very interesting as they'd play Gonzaga. At Gonzaga. Okay? Up there in the McCarthy Athletic Center. At Gonzaga. These guys, Gonzaga... Riding a 7,431,896.2 home game win streak with Coach Mark Few. One of the best home teams in the country. No one can deny that. And it was snapped. They beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga. That woke everybody up. They were getting nine points. They won out route by three. Kawhi Leonard guarded everyone on the court that game. Had an amazing basketball. Amazing game. I wish there was a stat for tip balls. He touched that ball 50 times. It was incredible on both sides of the floor. They run that press. They run that 2-2-1 extended. 
full court. They did it that year. Five athletes, and they ran people off the floor with that thing. Suffocating defense. They ran three, particularly the matchup zone. And Kawhi up front, next to none. Even when he goes to man Kawhi Leonard. In this day right now, is the best on-ball defender in the NBA. One of the best ever. And in college, nothing has changed. A lot has had to happen for Kawhi to get to where he is now. He didn't always be able to get his shot like he can now because he works his ass off. In college, it was different. He was more of that down, six seven, kind of that power forward guy that could guard up top. Not really a swing guy at the time. I wouldn't say an extension of a three. Just a big bruiser. He's come a long way. So anyway, they beat Gonzaga. And he had a monster game, eliminating that massive home win streak. And then what happens? Then they win 20 games in a row. 20 games in a row. Now they're ranking the top 10. Before you say they didn't play anyone, they went to St. Mary's. Tough place to play historically. Blowout. They go to Wichita State. Tough place to stay historically. Blowout. They went to Cal. Blowout. They gave the Pac-12 all 12 inches. They ran through that conference. Everyone they played got the BBC. They destroy absolutely everyone. And then the win streak continues. It continues. It continues. They finally catch their first loss at Brigham Young. I remember I had San Diego State that game. There was a certain player that went nuts for Brigham Young. You may remember him, a man named Jimmy Fredette. This was a crazy year in college basketball. After blowing out everyone and losing to Fredette, they slap on another seven-game win streak, and then they get Brigham Young at home. Brigham Young is now number seven. Right before they played them, though, a couple games before that, they had a really rough game at Colorado State. Foco, Fort Collins, baby. That's the right. They don't wear masks there. That's Boulder. And if you look at how Fort Collins is, they have that ram on half court. It's a really weird place to play, like Oregon. It's kind of like a Boise State blue football field. Have you ever seen Foco, that weird ram they have? Tough place to play. And it was a really tight game. This is what I like about Kawhi. He had a really bad game out there. Actually, he had a terrible game. But at the end, he was able to secure the win with a steal. He guarded everyone that game. I watched that basketball game. They did not cover. They should have lost, almost lost. But even Leonard's worst game, he still showed that he doesn't have to score. He can still lock down and play defense. My brother, before he played college basketball, the coach asked him to send the worst game he ever played and the best game he ever played. The worst game he ever played, he was 0 for 17. I was at the game. versus one of the worst teams in our conference. I came back to watch this team play when I was in college. Came back to watch him play high school. Sorry-ass Plumstead. They fouled out everybody. The refs was in, the fix was in, and Elmer up by four points with 30 seconds left. He runs through a pass, goes down, and tries to break the backboard with a monstrous dunk. One for 18 for the game, two points, but that was the biggest two points of his career, basically, because it made a 1,000 people get quiet real quick, except for me, because I was going crazy, because I live vicariously through people, because I suck at basketball. That was free. They played Brigham Young one more time, and they take an L at home, which is unbelievable at this point. And Kawhi had another bad game, and Jimmer Fredette went crazy. I got to say, he gave it to Kawhi that game. They finished the season, beat Wyoming. They beat Colorado State at home. They have only lost two games all season to the Joseph Smith licked up Brigham Young. Joseph Smith, who would have thought? The real God, right? Beating, <laughs> beating this team twice, unbelievable. As they ran through everyone, they would lose to the Mormons, of all people, twice. A really good BYU team, as you remember. Get in the conference tournament, they smash Utah. They get out there, they smash UNLV. And then they get their third crack at Brigham Young. And I did not hold back on this one. I remember it was a pick em, and I picked UNR, excuse me, I picked our boys, San Diego State. And they thrashed, they thrashed Brigham Young. Took out all the frustration of years 
on these guys. 72-54, an absolute waxing. Fredette didn't know what to do. The stat sheet does not do this. He had some late points. The game was over. He hit some late threes. It was a blowout the whole game. Leonard shut him down in the first half. He made a statement. That was it. We go. Now they're ranked. They're seventh in the country. They're almost a four seed, I believe. And they go all the way. They win the first round in the NCAA tournament. And they blow out a really good, excuse me, they go to double overtime with a really good Temple team. Another place where Leonard shows his worth. This dude's wherewithal is insane. Played the whole game, didn't sit one minute. Double overtime game, played the entire game. Filled up the stat sheet and has a huge block at the end. Gets fouled, makes the free throws, steals it again, makes the free throws, extend the lead. They win by six. They were laying five and a half and they covered in double overtime. Thank you, I remember that one. I got super lucky I hit that. But like all good things, they come to an end. They ran into the buzzsaw. That would be this weird UConn team, a stupid nine seed, <laughs> who somehow under Kevin Ollie, the worst basketball coach of all times, actually they were a seven seed, I believe, excuse me. I don't remember what they were. I just know they won the tournament. They had Kemba Walker, and they won in Houston. I went to the game. There was a storm. No one could come down from UConn. They played Butler. Nobody cares about Butler. There was about 500 people in Reliant. Uh, it was insane. I was just happy I was able to go to that game for a song and a dance to watch UConn basically blast Butler in one of the ugliest games of all times. But, yes, they did fall to UConn, thus ending the Cinderella season. However, just because that happened, you know, it doesn't take anything away from what UNLV did, but that kind of molded it, molded him. It molded Kawhi, and that put him on the on the radar for me. And then, you know, as far as the as Lieutenant Colonel um, Nicholson said, my God, what have I done? That's probably what the Pacers did when they traded Kawhi Leonard for George Hill. <laughs> You can't make that up, man. I mean, look, it's easy for me. It's easy for me to... <clears throat> Corona. COVID. Wuhan. It's easy for me to make fun of that now and everyone else. And I, I really hate to do that whole after-the-fact thing. But, boy, I tell you what. Larry Bird, man, he's a good, he did a good job in the front office and as a coach. But, boy, did he miss on that one. But that's okay. But the point is that that bridge right now has to run through. Look at the, the growth of this young man and what makes him the best player in the NBA, in my opinion. As, as I've stated, he can guard almost one through four, sometimes five. He has amazing handles. He can pass the basketball as good as any point guard, as good as Chris Paul, as good as anyone in the NBA. He can create his own shot. He can shoot the three. He's worked his ass off on that. He could not shoot the three in college, nor could he shoot the three in the beginning of his career for the San Antonio Spurs. <clears throat> if he wouldn't have got hurt versus Golden State in the playoffs the year that Golden State coughed up the 3-1 to Cleveland. San, San Antonio probably advances in that series on that knockout game there. What makes him special is this. If he wins a championship with the Clippers, if, I think it's more or less when, then in six years he will have been the main reason three different teams have won a title. I'm not talking about seventh, eighth man, Steve Kerr bouncing around, Robert Ory. I'm talking about the primary weapon, okay? They're preparing to fire the primary weapon. That's him. All right, winning in 2014 with the Spurs and then winning last year with Toronto and then winning this year with the Clippers. No one's ever done that. No one's ever done that. What about LeBron? LeBron's never done that. And LeBron consistently takes L's in championships. Kawhi knows not what that is like. Also, furthermore, if you look at that body of work, what makes this even more special to me is basically he will have done this not so much on his own, but without the superstar level that other players have had. Before everyone starts to tell me who he had, yes, I know he had good players for the Spurs, but you're really going to tell me he had a bunch of studs for the Raptors? I know the Raptors are really good right now, but most people that watch the NBA probably couldn't even name me three or five of their starters. 
And the other thing is what Kawhi has done is just been that unbelievable side of the bas- the defensive side of the basketball, the offensive side of the basketball. Three different teams probably coming up. He does with the Clippers like we spoke of. But what makes him special and the difference between him and LeBron James, and don't get me wrong, I, I, LeBron James off the court is a mental midget on the court, might be the greatest basketball player of all times. Only a fool would not admit that. But what LeBron consistently does, if you watch, is LeBron still does that whole bitch, moan, complain to the refs when he doesn't get his call and induces a four-on-five on the other side of the court. In the NBA, you can't do that. But LeBron consistently does it. And actually watch for it. I've actually made believers out of a lot of people. Just look for it. Watch LeBron complain to a ref while the other, the other team runs down there and tries to guard five people, which in the NBA will always look, probably result in an open look. And it's not really good for the other. It's not really good for the Lakers when another team has an open look. He did this for the Heat. He's done this for the Cavs. He get, does this consistently. Now watch Kawhi Leonard. Leonard doesn't get his call. He gets back on defense. I know he's a robot. <laughs> the way he laughs and everything, it's so weird. But at the same time, though, he doesn't. He doesn't bitch, moan, and complain. He's the perfect player. He plays defense. He hustles. You don't have to tell him not to complain. It's just innate. So he is definitely a different cat. And because of that, yeah, I do think he's the best player in the NBA. I think he is the bridge over the River Kwai, and that bridge runs through him. No one gets to the championship except through him. They're going to dispatch of Dallas. That's a very, very talented Dallas team that's going to be around for a while. What a ridiculous ejection for Porzingis, by the way. I finally saw the replay on that. Absurd. I've had way too much coffee. Sorry. Fumbling on words a little bit. Belts, you drunk? No. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, though. This, uh, this blend they have here, this local New Mexico thing, kind of makes me want through a wall. Kind of makes me want to go to the gym. Oh, wait, all the gyms are closed in New Mexico. Cucks. Speaking of uh, cuck, as we transition on, we're going to bring, uh, let's see, let's bring on the drunk neighbor and Dickie Salvo. Let's, let's get them on for a little rip. But before we do that, how about a little white bitch of the week? This guy is not even white, but I don't care. He may as well be. (laughs) White bitch of the week. Woodward. Christopher Woodward, the manager of the Rangers. I don't want to blow it because we're going to be talking about the unwritten rules of baseball with Salvo and with the drunk neighbor, but this is insane. All right, a young, a young, if you don't know, and we're going to talk about it twice, and I'll just briefly touch on it here. Fernando Tatis hits a grand slam up by seven, but apparently there's some rule if you're up by six after the six, you're not supposed to hit home runs. You're supposed to just strike out and watch it. I don't know what the hell's going on. It is ridiculous. And that manager had the audacity, the nerve, the gall to actually walk over and give him a talking to with his finger like a, like a father would a son, while his own manager for the Padres basically wouldn't even acknowledge the grand slam. Yeah, let's not, have, let's not let the kid have fun. Let's continue to have Major League Baseball not get out of their own way and have the unwritten rules just dictate the game. Pathetic, ridiculous, absurd. If you don't want to get a grand slam hit off you, if you don't, don't serve up belt-high cheese. You are the white bitch of the week, Woodward. You are trash. Your team is trash, and you'll be nothing except a dumpster fire. You should have stayed in L.A., you're garbage, and you're a cuck. Let's bring on Dickie Salvo and the Drunk Neighbor. Dickie Salvo and the Drunk Neighbor joined the Sports Antelope, the reset after UFC 252. Things did not go as planned, but if things always went as planned, we wouldn't show up for work in the morning, right? We wouldn't go to the rock pile. We'd just make bets all day and get fat. Uh, anyway, guys, we still have confidence in you. We're just curious to hear what you guys have to say 
as a recap after the fact. Yeah, well, it's good to be back on. Uh, I'm definitely wearing the dunce hat after my three-flight parlay <laughs> went 0 for 3. So if you would have faded me, you would have made a lot of money this week, especially since that O'Malley fight was uh, underdog. Uh, so, Diggy, I think we should start with the headlining fight uh, with Cormier and Stipe. I, I think that was that there was a lot of meat left on that bone as far as entertainment goes. I, I thought it really sucked that Cormier – Got his retina torn in the middle of the fight. I thought that was, you know, not to make excuses on my bet there, but I mean, it, that was a pretty crappy moment in the fight. Yeah, I think when you look at the fight, the, it could have gone in a different direction. And, uh, you know, given how entertaining moments in the first two were, it was definitely a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, Miosh was my only, we had one other win that I, uh, you know, uh, give you guys in here, but um, you know, it wasn't a very uh, successful part like you alluded to. But I thought, I thought Stipe would be able to win, but yeah, the way it happened, the way it kind of transpired, it left a lot to be uh, to be desired. And I think at times Cormier was just kind of in there swinging as opposed to maybe being uh, you know, more tactical. And it sucks when you have an eye injury in MMA, obviously, uh, is the one thing that can really, you know, in addition to some of the leg kick injuries. Um, you know, it can take somebody kind of out, out of, uh, you know, out of effectiveness. So it, it sucked to see that. Hey, guys. I, sucks I, especially bad when his entire finger went down his eye. So, I mean, that, that was actually my question. I was gonna, I didn't watch it. I was going to say what, like, you're not allowed to do that, right? You can't poke people in the eye. Was it inadvertent or what? No, uh, it wasn't inadvertent, but his it was a poke. And Cormier was yelling at the ref about it, but he said, basically, go sit down. You got punched. Um, didn't believe, and then he issued a, a giant apology on Instagram yesterday morning. Oh, great! It, it just kind of sucked. Yeah, that really helps out. The good old NFL, <laughs> the good old NFL apology, right? Hey, we got it wrong. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. There's no Man, reason sorry. for the officiating to be as bad as it has been at times, and I think you're right. I mean, when there's when there's something like that, where seventy-five percent of the guys, as I, you know, I think they have to start taking points they got they have to have more legitimate officiating over this uh when it's a game-changing type of scenario yeah it's getting worse and worse though but uh speaking of questionable refereeing in the ufc the sean o'malley stoppage now it looks like his foot got beat up pretty bad it was a weird stoppage but they may have been doing him a favor because as we saw during that fight he started wobbling around like a wounded anal. It looked like he went down on his foot. I heard it might be a loose break injury. Takes a lot of steam out of the rainbow engine. Yeah, he, he looked good early on in that fight. His his kicks were, I think, doing some damage. Vera had a good game plan, though, and he kind of just weathered the, the storm. But, yeah, I don't know if O'Malley injured himself on one of the kicks because he was using them so liberally. Um, but I thought when he went down that first time before the stoppage, I thought that was him maybe, you know, trying to bait Vera into something. And then when I saw a replay from a different angle, I, I clearly saw that he was, you know, likely injured. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, I, I thought Vera would be a tough opponent, but I think ultimately with that fight, um, it was extremely unfortunate to see. Uh, that happened because I think it would have been a, a good fight, and I do think O'Malley would have 
would have probably won, uh, you know, maybe a decision. Yeah, I got to say, I lost a little bit of respect for O'Malley that night where he just kept laying on the ground, basically crying after the fight ended. I mean, I, I haven't done that to my ankle, so I guess I can't say too, too much. Uh, but it was it, it seemed like he laid down there and kind of milked that for all it was worth for a little bit. So I'm still a big fan, looking forward to his comeback. But I just thought that was he may have uh, embellished, well, if t- you will. Well, taking a step back with O'Malley, I mean, number one, you know, I don't know that he was going to get, you know, we were talking about him before, but maybe him getting a title shot. I think right now the upper tier of that division is, is going to kind of play itself out uh, with Sterling and company. But I think with O'Malley, you kind of saw it with uh, Shabazian in the, in the fight a couple of weeks ago against Brunson. You have young fighters, you know, that they're 10 and 0, 12 and 0. I think O'Malley was 13 and 0 going into this fight. Obviously, you know, sometimes things happen. You know, they might be unfortunate breaks. They might be TKO-type injuries. Um, but, you know, when you, when you have a younger guy and they've been winning, things don't always go go well forever, especially in the world of MMA, because these guys are taking a beating. Their chin gets abused. Um, and that was one of the coolest things, I think, to see DC versus, versus Stipe is you have two guys kind of, you know, obviously more so at the end of their careers fighting, you know, it wasn't as good as the first two, but it was still a trilogy, which is, uh, you know, exciting enough. But I, I'm interested to see if Stipe is going to fight Jones, if that's the next thing. I think, that, you know, how does Nagano play into that? Um, you know, th- there's going to be some aftermath in the heavyweight division in the next 18 to 24 months that I think will be uh, big time, high level UFC. So I'm hoping that that comes to fruition. Yeah, it, it's very exciting to think about Jones in that division. That there's something going to have to work out between Ngannou, Stipe, and John Jones. I think it is time to get John Bones Jones in that division. We've been wanting it for a while. Um, we've been wanting that Ngannou fight for sure. So hopefully that'll be the one that we get just selfishly because I, I think Stipe is going to need some time to recover from a five-round bout. But I would love to see the Ngannou versus uh, John Jones. We've already seen Ngannou, Stipe, so uh, I know, obviously, Ngannou I think is a different fighter, but it would be nice to see a little change getting Ngannou versus John Jones, and winner takes Stipe. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that happening. I mean, it was funny when, when the early you know, news was that, you know, it, it would be Adesanya versus uh, John Jones. And I, yeah, I just think where Jones is at, his career fighting more infrequently, he's probably going to be, you know, weighing in at, at 200 plus, you know, if not, you know, now more like 215, 220, whatever he, he chooses to do at heavyweight. But now that he's more like, you know, I mean, he's in his early 30s, uh, you know, he's got some tread on the tires, but ultimately I think it makes sense for him to move up. It, it wouldn't make sense for him to try to move down or fight at a catch weight or wait for, you know, Adesanya. Um, there's enough talent going around in that division with that coast of fight coming up that I think Jones just said, hey, you know, the, the, the sharper play for me is to come up and, and maybe take at least two or three heavyweight fights. Um, but I do think, you know, moving forward, we talked about some of the frustrations, you know, or, you know, we've had good success betting MMA, but recently, you know, neither one of us has been that great, but there's a lot of exciting cards, uh, you know, coming up in opportunities. They talked about maybe Poirier versus McGregor again, um, seeing what happens in those divisions. I and mean, there's a lot that's going to go on in the UFC landscape coming up. And, and, you know, it's just, it'd be crazy to think about the heavyweight division, um, you know, like you said, with, with a three headed monster uh, in it. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you talked about Izzy Adesanya. I'm very excited about 
UFC 253 coming up next month with him versus Paulo Costa. I think that's going to be a very entertaining fight. I'm, I like Izzy a lot. Um, his last fight was a was a lemon, but I think uh, he bounces back from that. It's going to be fun. I don't know if he wins against Costa. I I, I haven't seen what the lines are going to be yet. I, I have a hard time picking against the champ in that one, but I think it's going to be a very fun fight. I think Costa is a great contender there. Um, so I, I like that middleweight division. That's where you really get to see some great athletes really go at it. So that, that's one of my favorite divisions in UFC. Yeah, Costa opened up, I think, around plus 145, plus 150. Uh, and Adesanya maybe moved up and then down a little bit. It hasn't been too much movement, but I totally agree with you. I mean, you, you see it. Uh, you know, whether you're a novice guy getting into this via betting or just seeing it on ESPN plus or whatever the case might be, given, given COVID, you now you're watching MMA. Um, you know, I, I think one of the takeaways is you, you can get into these cards and then you realize, yeah, half of the fights, like, like that card last weekend was a little bit of a letdown given some of the injuries. Um, but, but something, I mean, I don't know what the whole card looks like for, for Adesanya and, and Costa, but, uh, it would be bizarre if that fight was not extremely entertaining. And, and just the way it sets up, I mean, I think Costa can score a lot in a matchup like that. Um, you know, but Adesanya might be able to do something in- incredibly creative and just take him out with a big elbow um, or, you know, a spinning kick or, you know, it, it could be it could be completely wild. It, it'll be really, really fun to watch that. I think it's the second or third week of September. It might be September 26th or something like that. That's correct. Um, That's correct. Yeah. We're also getting Dominic Reyes on that card, so that'll be fun. Light heavyweight back. Yeah, I mean, Reyes, uh, you know, he had his crack at Jones. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at, like you alluded to before, the heavyweight division just doesn't, or excuse me, the light heavyweight division, um, you know, it just doesn't have enough depth, I think, to it right now to kind of, uh, you know, I, I thought there were some guys that might have been, um, you know, coming up, but it really just hasn't, hasn't panned out yet. And I don't think, uh, I don't think Jones is missing anything by moving, moving on from that division. Agreed. So, Danny Belts, let's get you back on here. I want to ask you a little bit about your – have you talked about your basketball picks yet? Uh, I already did, yeah. And it looks like right now, unfortunately, the <laughs> uh, the Thunder are getting worked right now by the Rockets, but it's only it's only one game. It's only one game, right? <laughs> but I uh, I was going to make it funny and say, hey, guys, what's Chuck Liddell at for the next 253? But, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been that funny. But <laughs> um, my basketball picks – Yeah, I know. He was sick in Entourage, though. My uh, basketball sure. picks are out there. Uh, I know Dickie's got some great NFL stuff coming. I've already talked about that. I've already spoken about the stuff we're going to get into. Uh, both of you guys are baseball guys. No, Drunk Neighbor is a huge – you mind if I transition to baseball real quick? Please do. But just first, I want to say, Jokic and the Nuggets, I still like them going all the way. The Drunk Neighbor had them. It's been a it's been – I can't believe I made this bet. I'm glad I made this bet. I can't believe I made this bet. <laughs> he, he bet the Nuggets to win it pre-COVID. And I said, I mean, I liked it from the what, – what are your odds again? Preseason. Pre, yeah, preseason, right. But what, what, what are your odds? Uh, I think plus 1,200. Yeah, 12 to 1 on a team that has a top 10 player in the NBA and one of the deepest teams in the NBA, period. And they proved yesterday they can take a punch in the mouth, outlast, and then they, they just bust that ass in overtime, double overtime, right? No, it was overtime. They just crushed him. Overtime. Yeah. They took off in there. But, yeah. Yeah, the Joker, as you like to say, plays himself in shape, shows up 50 pounds overweight. <laughs> and then somehow just much like James Harden, James Harden just kind of gets in shape as we play. It's kind of pathetic, but hopefully Oklahoma City can figure it out. CP Me's not getting his calls. That's never good. 
But then again, Houston's just shooting good from three, but we'll see. Basketball, watch the last three minutes, and that's there, you know, there's your climax. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, Drug Neighbor's a huge Astros fan, as uh, I'm sure most of you know. Congratulations to the Astros today, getting their fourth straight win. Rockies, tough game. Looks like Granke uh, was solid. Another solid start for Granke, correct? Five straight wins. Young Fifth bullpen straight. playing very, very well. I wish I could say the same for Dickie Salvo's Pittsburgh Pirates. Not so much, uh, but that's okay. But we're all fans of Major League Baseball. And before we got on the call, we were talking about one thing. The unwritten rules of baseball have gotten out of control. It's OC. And it, it is to the point now where even I am a traditionalist, and I'm like, okay, please. Remember you hit a home run like if Brian McCann's the catcher, you better look down and sprint around the bases like a penitent child in the 1800s. But yesterday, Fernando Tatis – Junior for the Padres, who is an up-and-coming, one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Right now, he might be the MVP if you actually look at his complete body of work. Now we're Agreed. really early. He's incredible. Uh, they're playing, as the drunk neighbor says, the trash. That's the Texas Rangers. And Tatis just jacks one to opposite field. They're up by seven. And he hits one oppo like taco with the bases loaded for a grandma. And I, I watched it, and I'm like, this is sick. good for him. And then the Texas Rangers manager – runs over to the side, the other side, this is unprecedented, and starts giving him a finger full while his own manager gives him a finger full. It's not like he hot-trotted around the bases. It's not like he, Jose Baptiste, threw the bat up in the air like in the Japanese and Korean leagues. He hustled around the bags, but they got mad at him because he swung at a 3-0 pitch up by seven. Look, baseball is the one sport where you score, you, don't, you, don't, you retain possession. I don't have to give you the ball back. They're all the time, it doesn't happen all the time. But no lead is safe in baseball. I don't care what it is. And I just want you guys to take, for them to get on that kid and say, what is he? It was a strike. He was right down the middle and he pounded it. Is he supposed to say, well, you know what? It's, we're up by seven on a 3-0 count. So he's supposed to walk in a run? It, what's the difference? I, here, here's my advice. You don't want that? Don't throw belt-high cheese to that kid because he's going to hit the shit out of the ball, out of the park. How about that? Why do you get on the pitcher, not the hitter? I'm sorry I got a little hot, not hot there. That was a longer than I like to think. But, Dickie, what is your opinion on that real quick? And then we'll go to the drunk neighbor. I think it's getting out of control right now. The unwritten rules of baseball need to be torn to shreds. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tatis. I, I actually – I was paying attention to that game a little bit. I, I, I play some wagers on them against the, the Rangers. Nice. Um, you know, n- nothing crazy. But, yeah, they're a hot team. I like their team. I like some of the pitching. You know, they got Davies. But but regarding the this incident you're talking about, yeah, I think we live in a we live in a, a sports you know media world where it's all fantasy. You know, you look at the NBA right now, scoring's out of control. There's very very little defense in the NBA. Um, you know, I like the way some of these teams play, but at the same time, you know, and it's going to be a fun playoff. But you you got to look at you know uh, how the game is changing. Is it good to have no defense with with baseball? I just I've seen so many things where where teams have run up the score or there's just, you know, absurd things that happen, fielding errors, this and that. So what you're alluding to is no lead is safe. Yeah. I don't understand how you can get on a guy, um, you know, for, for, for pumping out stats, number one, number two, building your lead. Uh, I saw some of the Twitter, you know, follow up from different players and hopefully, you know, this kind of squashes that whole sentiment, you know, with this incident, because um, I also don't think, you know, you can tell a guy how to, how to, you know, behave in this career, especially when, you know, everything you do uh, impacts your earning power. 
Exactly. And I'm sorry to get in there drunk, neighbor. You're next. But it doesn't impact your earning power. When you get in there and it's time to renegotiate, your agent's not going to be like the, the, uh, the GM's not going to be like, well, one of them was a Bush League Grand Slam. It's just straight RBI. It's just straight statistically driven uh, collective. It's the, that's how you bargain when you go to these contract negotiations. And I think it's absurd. And just like in football, when you have your third down running back in there and you're trying to run the clock out and you're running the football, if he busts one and gets past the safety, what do you tell him, to fall down? No, he's going to run to the end zone. It's just how it is. You can't tell a hitter not to hit because you're up by seven. No, I'm not going to strike out. Fuck you. So it's just stupid. It actually got me super mad yesterday. I'm like, what? But no, good point, Salvo, and I, I'll, I'll go all day. And by the way, speaking of high scoring, wait till there's no crowds in a football game. Oh, Wait till, wait till this happens when it turns into a freaking flag football scrimmage uh, in the Superdome. I'm sure that most people are like, yeah, sick, bro. I love going to the Superdome where I have to Helen Keller signs to my receiver because I can't think, let alone audible. The scores are going to be out of control. That's a whole other podcast. But drunk neighbor, I'm sorry. You can see that the Red Bull is kicking in. I had a couple jalapenos during the break. But what do you think? No, you, you know, there's not a, a ton to add to that. You know, I would just say that all these unwritten rules in baseball they, where they've started – Throwing at my team, the Astros, whenever a lot of these teams have taken a very similar approaches to sign stealing, but have not been uh, persecuted in the media. So I don't mean to make this about that, but I think it's stupid. Uh, if, like you said, it's like when Cam Newton kept scoring and dancing in 2015. If you don't like me scoring, if you don't like me dancing in your end zone, then don't let me score. So don't throw me a just don't throw me a batting pra- practice fastball. At three and zero, I mean, there's not. What are you doing? The game just stops at three and zero. It's an automatic strike. I have to give you that. Like I'm just supposed to sit there and give you. You just get that. We're just trying to go home. No, that's outrageous. It is outrageous. Thank you. And I know and it's that very, I... it's very on brand for Chris Woodward and the Arlington Trash Rangers to throw a fit <laughs> about it. And it's even more on brand for the St. Louis, or excuse me, for the Padres to have a little stink and just. Oh, I don't want to use the word, but be total cucks about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. This is great. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dickie. What you got? The the only other thing I was going to add is that you kind of brought it up with, with some of the, the talk about, like, you know, with audio and, and being able to hear things. That There's more that you can hear now because there's nobody in the stands at these games uh, than ever before, obviously. So, you know, the interactions with teams – and with umpires and and now, you know, maybe it was something that was just said. I didn't see the whole video. Like you said, he had the managers running over to him. That sounds ridiculous. Um, it was but- go watch the replay. It is it is almost onion news network worthy. Like players get mad because guy hits grand slam. That's something on the onion news sports network. But it's yeah, actually really happening. I can't comprehend Once, how that would yeah, be, yeah. you know. Trump the- neighbor said it best. The major league baseball can't get out of their own way and here they can't do it again. So you're right. I'm sorry to interrupt Reggie you. Reggie Jackson and Trevor Bauer showing support on Twitter to Fernando Tatis. Good. I like Trevor Bauer. Good. And they were supposed to play today, and I so bet him, and it got postponed. <laughs> yeah, your spin rate, cheater. All right, guys. Well, look, anything y'all want to add in before we close it out here today? Go Nugs. Nice. I'm excited. Excited for the NBA playoffs tonight. I think the Nugs could could make a little bit of a push. Not sure they get past the Clippers, though, the way they look. Well, this, this we episode is called the, the Bridge Over the River Kwai, and I believe that the playoffs go through Kwai Leonard. I think we most would agree there. And, uh, yeah, they're probably going to see the Lakers. Hey, we'll find out what happens tonight. The Lakers are kind of a short favorite versus a team that's four games below 500 in the eighth seed. I think people have fell in love with Portland. 
Uh, never mind the fact they have no wings. This is going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, what's they the... don't. They have absolutely – now, there's not too many teams that have an answer for LeBron James, but they especially do not. Anthony wings. Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you got Nurkic that might be able to slow him down a little Nurkic. bit. But I, I just uh, – I think that's been a very fun story, the Portland team. Yeah. Dame has been incredible. Yeah. And I, he kind of brings that old school flair of NBA. And, and Rajah Bell was actually on a podcast recently comparing him to Kobe Bryant with the way that he's been going at it. And actually, there's some great comparisons. So I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree uh, with that. By the way, did you guys see uh, um, Luca yesterday? And a losing effort. Unbelievable is, stat line. He is a circus. He is a three-ring, one-man circus. And poor Zingas got tossed from the game, so he yeah. had to kind of do everything. Poor Zingas. P-O-O-R Zingas. That poor bastard. I, that I can't terrible. believe they ejected that him terrible. from that game. That, that was, was even worse than, that's even worse than the Fernando Tatis outrage. When I saw that, I was like, Are you got, what is this now? I mean, there's more. Well, that's what the announcers, the announcer said the same thing, you know, and then they brought in some rules expert who said, oh, this is the right call. But I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing a mask, you know, in an isolated room. Get your mask (laughs) on. I'm in New Mexico. You don't wear a mask outside. There's a $250 fine. I swear to God. And it's only 10,000. Yeah. So anyway, guys, three different time zones today. I'm in Albuquerque traveling. Drunk neighbors in Louisiana. Dickie Salvo's in Pennsylvania. That's how dedicated we are coming at you. Coast from three to coast. Coast to coast, baby. And I'll be in San Diego uh, tomorrow. Hopefully watch the good sports. And, um, guys, thanks for jumping on the pod. Uh, really appreciate your contribution through MMA and other sports. And we look forward to having you guys on next week. I'll be remote again. We'll be doing this one from Oregon, guys, <laughs> Wednesday night. Uh, but uh, no matter where we are, we'll always get together and we'll knock it out weekly, you know? Traveling with the Proud Boys. Good to hear you. I'm going <laughs> to check, check the flights to San Diego in the next uh, hour here. Do that, bro. You got a place to stay, man. Let me know. I'm staying at the Ritz. Psych. No, I'm staying at the courtyard. But I have, I'm, I'm in a twin bed, so if you want to jump in, let me know. All right, guys, I'm going to let you all go. You have a great evening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks to Dickie Salvo and the Drunk Neighbor for jumping on. Appreciate that. Uh, look forward to having them on next week as we get into college football. The schedules came out. As you saw that, the SEC win totals came out. We're going to have college football. The SEC, once again, saves the world. Thank you very much as the Big Ten and the Pac-12 cower in absolute cuckoldry. If you are wondering what's that right now, it appears that even in the Sheridan, uh, there's trash on this eighth floor. The top floor, you have to have a special key to get up here, and it appears there's some sort of domestic dispute outside. If you can hear that, I apologize. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, the reset number 10. I'm your host, Danny Belts with a Z. Follow me at Twitter, Danny underscore Belts with a Z. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at Sports Antidote 1. Follow us on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. A great picture our marketer made of Coach O yelling at the Trumpster, who's passing Peyton Manning some aces. As Chuck Knobloch smirks with, over here you got our boy uh, Bregman. Chuck Knobloch is coming on the podcast next week. Ha-ha, you thought he'd be gone? No, he wants to talk some Astros baseball. We were texting last night. If you come to Albuquerque, New Mexico, be sure and bring 16 mash. You're going to need it, even though it's 10,000 degrees outside. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope. Pass, pass it along. Tell some friends. We're growing. We need your help. Let's go. Let's do this. We're going to be talking about some serious gambling coming up with college and pro football. I can't wait. Futures, props, what have you. And your boy Danny Belts is the college football expert. You know that, and I'm bringing the pain. Looks like the Sun Belt's going to play. Woohoo, yeah. What would I do without the Sun Belt? I don't know. What would you do without a mask in Albuquerque? <laughs> I don't know what you'd do. 
Keep it real, Anadotions. We'll see you next week.